Welcome to the Run for PRs podcast. This is your host, Victoria Phillippe. The Run for PRs podcast was created to give away the secrets to transform your training to reach your goals. We ask all the expert run coaches and athletes the questions that you've been dying to know the answers to. We will get the inside scoop on what really makes you the best athlete that you can be. Have you ever seen a fast runner and wonder, wow, how did they get so fast? Well, then this podcast is for you. We are going to do a deep dive to reveal the secrets to reaching your potential as a runner. This week on the Run for PRs podcast, we're talking to personal trainer Scott Sikelski. Scott has over 18 years of personal training experience and 20 years of experience as a run coach. Most of his coaching experience stems from being the head cross-country and track coach at the University of Wisconsin-River Falls. He led the team to a national title there in 2008. With that kind of resume, you're probably expecting to hear how Scott has been running his entire life and has natural talent. But you'll be surprised to find out that Scott was once a smoker and struggled with obesity. He actually started running in his 20s when he made the career change to become a personal trainer. Over the next 15 years, he worked his way down from non-runner to 311 marathoner in his late 30s, which qualified him for the Boston Marathon in 2005. As a personal trainer, run coach, and runner himself, Scott knows the challenges that come with incorporating strength training into your run training plan. He has developed a program over the years which he has perfected. The program has helped hundreds of athletes avoid injury, gain strength, and hit PRs. We are excited for him to be able to share his knowledge with you. Hey, Skelly, we are so excited to have you on the Run for PRs podcast so you can talk to us all about your journey to becoming a runner and a coach and all about how we can fit strength training in. Um, I guess the first thing that I'm dying to know more about is how did you go from non-runner to runner to then run coach? (laughs) bit more about your story I will and you, you might want to uh, grab a pillow or something because this story is a little bit long but uh <laughs> so let's <laughs> let's go way back to uh so in high school or before high school I actually played hockey and baseball I don't know if you knew that and uh so I was never a runner like growing up or in high school and then uh eventually when I got to about 11th grade um I decided you know I didn't really want to do sports anymore and kind of went a different direction was the more having fun direction and uh, mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I, yeah, everybody can fill in the blanks there. So I took a little <laughs> bit of that. So slowly kind of, as that happened, I got more sedentary as I was like a senior in high school and a little bit beyond and uh, ended up gaining some weight. I got up to actually, and this will probably surprise you to almost 200 pounds. It was not like a healthy fit 200 pounds. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that, and you're, you're not super tall. Either, no. So, so I'm like 5'11". So yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was like almost like you know, for lack of better terms, baby belly. It was just like a, you know, a a beer gut, I guess you would say. And then as I got, I was about 20 years old, I think. And I think, you know, when I would go out and, you know, partake in some of these things, I would, I had a group of friends that smoked a little bit. I had a group of friends that didn't. And occasionally when I was with the group of friends that did, you know, I would try it when I was drinking or out or doing whatever. And as you very well know, um, cigarette smoking is actually addictive. Oh and, yeah. yeah. And I got hooked relatively quick. Well, at first it was more so just when I went out, 
but then eventually right. yeah eventually you know you're it trying. always spirals out of control yeah, yeah exactly all of a sudden i'm trying it when i'm in my car i'm doing it at other times and just before i know it i'm like smoking a pack a day and wow what what makes it even crazier so when i was born um i was in the hospital for like the first month and a half of my life with like bronchitis and pneumonia and as a kid i had really bad asthma and they actually told my mom after they because she used to smoke and when she when she had me she they basically told her if you keep smoking you're going to kill this kid oh, he'll wow. never be able to breathe so imagine how she felt when she found out i was smoking um that's oh, that's, oh, that's, no. a story, that's a story for another podcast but um yeah. so so not happy with that so i ended up doing that and um i probably smoked for about a year so here i am i'm overweight i'm having fun whatever and um as far as quitting smoking, it's kind of a fun story because I have a good friend. So like I said, I had friends that did smoke and friends that didn't. And one time I was with the group that didn't and I was having a cigarette. And my friend Jeremy says, you know, I thought you were going to quit. You know, why are you doing this? I said, well, I'm trying. And he took the cigarette from my hand and he put it out. And he said, part of not smoking is not smoking. And I've never had one since then. Oh, my god! Like cold turkey. Wow. Yeah. And this was before you even started running. So yeah. it's not like you had running to replace it. You just like cut it. Cold. Right. <laughs> exactly. And that's a good point. I did not just go right into that. But what happened shortly after that, because by this time I'm 21, I hadn't really got, you know, I did like a little bit of college when I first started, but it just wasn't for me at the time. Um, right. I was kind of at a place where I wanted to do something. And this will date me a little bit, but my sister, I'm the youngest of eight kids. My sister, Lisa, sends me a letter in the mail. <laughs> what year was this? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, it's, I, don't even tell me what year you were born, because it might have been right around then. So it was ne- probably this is 1991. Okay, yeah, that was the year I was born. Awesome. So <laughs> love hearing that. But, I love uh, it. Yeah, so um, she sends me a letter. And the letter pretty much was very politely and lovingly saying, you know, it's time to get your poop in a group and do something like everybody else in my family had gone to school and was doing things. I kind of had my fun. It was just kind of more of a very nice sisterly wake up call. And what, right. what, yeah, what she went on to say is that, you know, your brother, Mark, who's my oldest brother, is moving from Florida to Chicago. You should move there, go to school, figure something out. I'm paraphrasing. But so I ended up just on a whim. I'm like, I'm going to do it. I need to get out of here. I need to do something. And so I went and uh, lived with him. And Mark at the time, which you know now, is he's actually a run coach himself. But back then, he was very much into power walking. So when I first started living with him, a couple of things happened. One, they eat way better than I was eating because I was doing a lot of fast food. And oh, like, so you were forced into it a little bit. A little the, bit, for sure, but it was good for me. So I started, the pounds really started coming off before I really started exercising, at least a little bit. And um, so he invited me one day to go power walking with him. And so I'm like, well, I'll give it a try. And, and just to kind of put into, um, so you know what I'm talking about when I say he walks fast, he has done a marathon walking in four hours and 20 minutes. Oh my gosh. So walking. yeah, like 10, faster than 10 minute pace. Right. Walk. That's some serious power walking. Yeah. So we're not talking about he's going out and we're just going for a walk. He, he's like serious about it. So this is way years ago. And so I go with him. I can't keep up and I'm, you know, everybody listening you yourself you know what it's like when you first start and I've been smoking I'm over I haven't exercised in you know several years if not more probably more than that and so I couldn't keep up with him so I kind of walked jogged with him and I'd like to say that's when I started running but it still wasn't I was about 21 22 at this time I would do it a little bit I lost weight so in that sense I kind of did I walk with him once in a while I would you know jog maybe 10 minutes here or there but seriously that was not when I got the 
the total running bug at that time. Um, what I ended up doing when I was there is I went to school to be a surgical technician, which is you hand instruments to the surgeon. Did you know that I did that? Yes, I actually did because I said that you went back to school at River Falls. I don't right. know if I got that part of the story you, right. You, yeah, you did. So. You did. So I first, and here's a lesson I always taught people, and you know, when I did end up coaching, was whatever you do when you're looking for a major, don't just pick something. You know, research it a little bit. Because um, right. I didn't research this and just kind of picked it because I needed to do something. And and I'm sure there's people out there that are surgical technicians, and there's people that love it. It just it was not for me. Um, right. <laughs> just like a lot of it was, it was a, not stressful, but it was a little bit, it didn't meet my personality because you didn't really talk. You just kind of. Oh uh, yeah. I, I can't imagine doing that. You're in, sur- you're being surgery with a doctor and handy in the. Right. And I saw you name it. I saw it, you know, like heart, oh, man. you know, everything. So it was crazy. So I got into that and right, really quickly, I'm like, I, this is not for me, but you know, I'd taken the time to go to school, whatever. I'm like, I better try it. So I did it for a couple of years. I ended up in Minneapolis. That was the last place I was doing it. And I was really, I was 25 at this point and I'm still not running. I'd ran occasionally, but very, you know, like, like I said, like 10 minutes at a time, nothing, right. nothing had happened really yet. So I'm kind of, again, at a crossroads and a lot of people go through this, like, I just don't even know what I want to do, but I know I don't want to do this. Yes. Yup. Right. So you were like, gotta try something else. Yeah, yep. I gotta do something. So I actually ended up taking a class at the U of M. And I don't even, I couldn't even tell you what it was. I think it was like history of something. And I uh, just took it because I wanted to just kind of get my foot in the door. So I took that and I ended up meeting someone in that class. And she was talking about, she was transferring to UW-River Falls. I'm like, I don't know where that is. I'd never even heard of it. Right. It sounds so far. It does. But it was <laughs> only like a half an hour from where I was. Right. Because it's close to Minneapolis. So I ended up kind of looking into it. And again, kind of a knee jerk thing, just like, I, I do not like what I'm doing. I want to be happy with what I'm doing. I'm just going to go there and I'll figure it out. Oh my gosh. So did you like quit your job and go there to be like, like live in the dorms and everything? I did. So I didn't live in the dorms. So what I ended up doing, and I'm glad you asked that question because this finally gets us to the point where I start running. Um, so I ended up moving into the only place I could find because I went in January. So I went like spring term. Oh. And yeah. So the only thing I could find was that it was like, and I was, you know, 25, 20, I was like almost 26. I didn't really want to live in the dorms. Yeah. You're like way older than the <laughs> yeah. average person right. that's in college yeah for sure so I decide that you know that's not going to be for me so I ended up finding it's like an apartment where you have your own room but you share the kitchen and the bathroom and so basically it's kind of like a dorm but it was more for like adults and it was off campus if that makes sense right yeah so I ended up you know I get there I don't know anybody I don't even know what I'm going to major in I have no idea I'm like going meeting professors and talking about like majoring in English and do you know my grammar you know that's really funny um <laughs> oh no <laughs> well I have good grammar but just to be an English yeah whatever I just right just throwing darts I didn't know what I wanted to do well I ended up meeting one of my roommates was was running a little bit a guy that lived there his name's Paul and he was gonna be doing a half marathon in the spring so I ended up joining him once in a while and that's where I first kind of got into it so he was doing a half he wasn't right. like on the cross-country team or anything no, he no. just wanted to run with you well and, and we what just, year was this so this is like 19 so it was the i moved there in january of 96 so this is like spring of 96 so i'm like i mean i my birthday's in march so i turned 26 in march so i start running with him and wow. what happened was you know some some habits die hard i ended up you know i would still occasionally go to a bar or a party and i ended up meeting someone his name's ryan hack and he had seen me run a few times in town and at the time, the cross country, they did not have a men's track program. 
So quite honestly, if they were looking for anybody, because they didn't. <laughs> Anyone who was running, they right. were like, oh, and, yeah, you, and, you can be on the team. Right. There was only like nine guys on the team. And, I, and it sounds like a joke, but it was really true. And he's like, the funny thing, here's the, what you'll, I'm sure will find funny. So he says, you know, you should join the cross country team. I said, yeah, you know, I'll think about that. I had to go home and look up what that was. I didn't no. even know what How did you was. look it up before smartphones? Did you like have an encyclopedia? <laughs> well, we didn't have computers, I think, at the, about oh. this time. I looked it up somewhere. But our, maybe I asked someone or something, what's cross You country? headed to the library. <laughs> That's probably what it was. The Dewey Decimal System, I figured it out. But if somehow I figured it out, and I decided, you know what? I'm going to try this. And I hadn't even ran like a race. I, ended, I did end up doing that a spring, um, that half marathon with Paul. And oh, you did? What did you run? Um, it's, it's funny because I just, for the first time, I ran, that was my very first half marathon. It was in Madison. And I just ran it again about two, three months ago. And oh, yeah. uh, it was my first half marathon I ran, I think, like, I want to say like 150, 155. That's faster yeah. than I thought. Yeah, yeah but, that's good. You know, like pretty, not bad, which is funny because now fast forward and that's pretty, I ran a little faster than that this last time. But what right. was kind of fun was, so Paul and I, you know, we did that half marathon together. We became friends. I was actually in his wedding. And then I lost touch with him. I haven't seen him in like 17, 18 years. And I finished that half marathon a couple months ago. And about five minutes later, I hear, you got to be kidding me. <gasps> and he was, he had ran He it was too. there. And he had not ran one since we had run that back in like 96 or whatever it was. Oh my gosh, that is so yeah. weird. So, so kind of crazy. So anyway, to get back to this story. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was really nuts. Like, and I put a picture on Instagram, and it was like, I still can't believe it. And I, I feel bad I didn't get a chance to talk to him for a long time. But, but my brother actually did the race too, and he did it this time as well. So it was kind of like full circle. Everyone was there. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. So it was. Yeah, it was really cool. So, so your first cross country race at yeah. River Falls. How was that? Yeah, let's talk that about that. So I decided to uh, join the cross country team, not knowing no clue what I was getting myself into. I'd ran a little bit. I did okay in that half or whatever, but I still didn't know or understand what training was going to be like the very first week. My only goal, don't walk, don't show, you know, cause it's, you know, I'm running with guys that are like, I'm 26. They're like 18, 19. I'm like, yeah. I'm sure some of them were fast too. I mean, you probably had a few guys that you would be clipping like five minute miles. Right. right? For sure. And, And so this first week of practice, I mean, I'm, hanging back with whoever and there happened to be another non-traditional guy on the team at the same time who was my age i actually was not the the oldest one on the team again they oh, wow would take it, they, would take they were taking anyone yeah right. and it, we joke but literally that that's kind of how it was because they didn't have the men's track program so make it through the first week of practice one thing that was kind of funny was that the very first meet we were going to have was going to be in superior which is where i'm from because the, the, the conference meet was going to be there that year. So that's where we went for the first meet of the year. Because they always did kind of like a pre, like, get to know the course kind of a meet. Right. And so here I go back to a place where I haven't been in several years where the last time I was there, I was a smoker. I was overweight. I was all these things. And here I am coming back as a 26-year-old doing some sport I just learned about. Right. You're 26 yeah. and you're running on the college. Right. I'm getting a kick out of that. Yeah, but no, exactly. That's, that's awesome. One, one thing that always helped me a little bit, and I still hope that it's true, is I look a little bit younger than I am. So it probably didn't like the other dude who was my age looked like older. older. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I at least had that going for me. But so I'd like to tell you that I did this first meet and I won. That's not what happened. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd like to tell you I did this first meet and I was like in the middle. That's not no. what 
Um, I took second to last, and the only person I beat, and this is a true story, and I tell this story often, that person was noticeably limping pretty hard. No. <laughs> but, yeah, but I'll tell you what. That, when I crossed that finish line, changed my life, like, forever. Like, if you want to talk about Ignite the Flame that day, and it took me, like, 36 minutes to figure that people winning or taking 25 minutes. Was it because, like, you were second to last, so it, like, lit up a flame? Because I feel like if I finished second to last in the race, <laughs> I would just, I don't know if I'd have the same reaction. Um, one thing that you probably maybe don't know about me is, like, don't tell me I can't do something. And it's like, that drives me. And just, and I don't even think that was it. It was just finished. I just loved it. Like, I loved doing it, even though I wasn't right. doing that great at the time. I just loved doing it. And all I could think about, and it's why, like, Run for PRs is so great, is I can get better, me personally. I'm never going to be winning these races. I wasn't that unrealistic. But I knew that I can get better, and that's all I wanted. So it really kind of you know, lit a fire, not only to start running, but I ended up going, my degree is exercise science. And I went to that, that direction, the job I have now, eventually, obviously coaching, all those things happened because right. I joined and I did that race. And, and as soon as I did it, I just like dove in. Head yeah. First. It was like your, your changing moment where you're like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm right. supposed to be here. Even though you were, you know, second to last, you still like had this defining moment where you're like, I'm going to have this be my major. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life, which is awesome. And right. I think that a lot of people can learn from that. You don't have to be, you know, the, the top person or even middle of the pack. Like, right. as long as you're just bettering yourself and you're deciding, like, this is a journey for me, it's life-changing. Yeah, and I totally agree. And, and, like, so I ran, like, 36 minutes that first mean that's five miles. By the end of the year, again, I would love to tell you I was winning. I was not. But I was starting to beat, like, you know, 10 or 15 people. And it's really not about beating people and right. about the time. And I got down to like 32 minutes. That's so, a big improvement. Yeah. So in a short time, and you only have what, like seven, eight weeks in a season of that. And so, and basically, again, like I said, I just, it led me down so many paths. I never knew that I was going to get like anybody, like you obviously didn't know me in high school and after, like, anybody who knew me then, then found out what I was doing and that I was running and then I became this coach or like, huh? Yeah, they probably were, like, laughing. They're right. Like, he smoked. He was a smoker and a party guy. Right. And then now – and now people that know me now would not in a million years think I ever did those things. Oh, I would think you're a party guy. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean, Victoria? Oh, uh, then you're fun. <laughs> you're fun. Yeah. Yes, I see. And there's a – you always want to have a balance. We can get to that later, too. Right. Totally. Um, yeah, so basically by the third year, I was the captain of the team. Again, not – you know, and, but I got kind of, kind of sorted towards the middle. My, my big goal became breaking 30 minutes, kind of like later we'll Whoa. probably talk about Boston Marathon, like breaking that time was a big deal. Breaking 30 minutes was a big deal. My very last meet, I ran a 29.58, my very last meet. Wow. And just to tell you how far I still was behind people, like Jim Felling, who you know, was on the team and he finished, was able to go back to camp, get his camera because we didn't have phones and took a picture of me crossing the finish (laughs) well right and i think one of jason's fastest times is like 25 flat right like the same sort of course i mean that's about like a five minute (laughs) discrepancy between people who are probably like close to the front so yeah it just goes to show you can still have fun and be like a captain on a team right be the top runner it's just about your presence and how much and, you and being very motivated and you know being able to motivate others because I was very into it so and I'm sure that's why I was captain not because 
obviously because I was the fastest person on the team, I wasn't. But even right. that, I mean, sub 30, it's, it's under a six minute mile. It's not like that's fast. I yeah. Mean, still I couldn't do it. <laughs> right. So it's like, I, I was proud of that. And then obviously after that, it's like, what now? And so that's when you get into marathoning and I did all those things too. So and it just really hasn't stopped. And then obviously right. the coaching and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think the craziest part of the whole story is you went back to school and you're 26. Most people would maybe think, well, he doesn't really have a lot of direction with his life. But it's like you got right on track. You figured out what you wanted to do. Um, and then you went back to become the coach yeah. of the same university. And I think there was some time that went on between when you graduated and when you went back. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I will. So when I was getting my major, I actually so I needed a couple of minors. So I got a biology minor. I decided to get a coaching minor. And so my last year of cross country, which was 98 when I was still there, I uh, didn't like, they call it a practicum. So like practice coaching um, at River Falls high school. And uh, I ended up doing it that year. And then the next year I just volunteered. So I got a little bit of exposure to that, but at the same time I graduated and um, I had done an internship also besides the coaching thing for my major at the River Falls um, hospital. They had a wellness center there. So I started, so I did a little bit of that. And then I was kind of looking for a uh, full-time gig. And I ended up, um, there was an opening in Baldwin at this hospital. They're going to be building a wellness center. So I went there and I ended up getting the job. And so the, for the first, and I was also at that time married or getting close to getting married. So um, I didn't want to, you know, have a new full-time job and coach and whatever. So I took about a year and didn't coach. Um, but right. I had, the only experience I'd really had up to that point is a couple of years at River, River Falls High School, which was really good because the coach, Rick Cleary, who's still a good friend of mine, amazing coach. So I learned a ton. I definitely got a little bit of the itch. It was just the timing wasn't quite right for me to start doing it. And uh, so I did my full-time job for a year. And the nice thing about that job, well, some people might not think this is nice. So I worked five in the morning to one in the afternoon. So it allowed me, my afternoons were pretty free. So I ended up up volunteering at Baldwin High School, Baldwin Woodville High School, which was where my, um, the hospital I worked at was. And so the first year I just volunteered, but kind of the coach um, that was doing it at the time, yeah, I don't know how to say this politely. Like he was a teacher who kind of coached, but maybe didn't really do a right. Lot just of doing it to fill a spot, right? Um, and he was because a, a lot of guy. the times they just don't have like enough staff, and teachers right. just have to do it. Exactly. Yeah. And he's a great guy, and I still I still see him occasionally or hear from him on Facebook or whatever. And uh, but I basically kind of wrote the training because I was still very you know I was doing marathons at the time. I was still very into it and very you know, excited about the whole running thing. Well, I mean, I still am, but I was right. Yeah. And, so uh, like your first chance to really be writing the program right. and like coaching the team. Yeah. So I did that for a couple of years. And then what ended up happening was, and this is and really how I ended up at River Falls is kind of a fluke. So what happened was he decided to, so basically the second year, I basically just took over. I mean, he was, I was volunteering in words, but I was, <laughs> I was <kinda laughs> doing the job. And right. then, so he ended up deciding to retire or just not coach anymore. So they said, yep, so you, you can become the head coach. So that whole summer, I'm getting ready to coach at Baldwinwoodville High School. I, you know, I'm excited about it. I'm going to take over. About two weeks before the season starts, they had had something happen with the basketball team where they had like a parent coach and it didn't go real well. So they decided to come up with this rule two weeks before the season starts that if you're not a teacher – you, you can't, can't coach there coach. <gasps> so oh, I'm like no. all excited yeah so I'm pumped to coach and all of a sudden nope not not going to be coaching and um and I'd gotten to know some of the kids there was actually someone on the team who she ended up running for the University of Minnesota she was like major awesome runner. superstar yeah and I'd ran with her all some you know helped her out during the summer and whatever and all of a sudden I got to tell her two weeks before 
Sorry. I'm not going to be your coach. And so at the time I was married, my ex-wife happened to be, so you know Don Glover, who was the coach before me at River Falls. Yep. Coach your husband. So she actually was a teacher with his daughter. And so she just said something to, to her and she said, well, you know, he could use a volunteer coach. So literally like two days before they go to, because River Falls would go to a camp every year. And I knew nothing about, you know, coaching at the college level. I obviously had ran it. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Coaches. You don't know much of anything right. at this point. It's like all volunteer experience, it, it sounds like. Yeah. I learn things. And I, and I should say, too, especially with my degree and when I was really getting into running, I read everything. Right. Like I read every article, you know, lots of books. So I was at least honing my skills that way but it's different when you start you know actually right actually getting the experience yeah Yeah. totally I love how you say like that you were reading everything and you're super into it because a lot of times I get questions like how do you become a run coach and to me I it's always hard to explain because it's right well first you have to be really obsessed with running and like right everything and like surround yourself with other runners and coaches and I mean I can't even count how many times in the last, since I graduated college, like I would text you and be like, Skelly, what do you think about this workout? Or what do you think I should right. do in this situation? Just, you have to be like a run nerd. So and definitely you, you fit the bill for that. Right. And you, and you should always be learning. Like even, you know, I've been doing this a long time. I listened to your podcast with Ben. I learned something. I listened to your podcast with Megan. I learned something. I listen or see an email that you write to someone. I'm learning. And you, yep, exactly. And, you, and if you ever get to a point where you think you know it all and you think like, this program will just work for everybody. Nope. You should probably stop doing it because yeah. <laughs> it, this is not the way it works. And we'll get into that when we talk more about coaching, but uh, getting back to how I finally, so I ended up a week before I didn't even know the head coach and I go to the camp and he's a really good coach. He's a Minnesota high school hall of hall of fame coach. Um, wow. But just kind of a goofy dude. Like he's the greatest dude, but just his methods were like, I, I don't know. Different. Goofy yeah. Is the right word. It's just like high energy, super positive, which I think I am too, but he took it even up a notch. And so I meet this guy at camp and I'm like, whoa. And uh, really the, my first year, what ended up happening was they had never had a, and your husband was on the team at this time. So I'm, I'm an assistant. It's like 2005. And um, what happened is we had someone named Marlene Yeager who had a good shot at making the nationals and they've never had anyone in the school history make it. I happened to be right around her pace. And so I would run with her a lot. And then the coach took me aside one day. And this is really how I think I ended up coaching women is he took me aside one day and he said, Skelly, I, I know you're you know, here to learn and you'll still learn, but I just want you to run with her like every, every time. And I want you to <laughs> mentor her and I want you to, to help her. And I said, I'll do that. You know, cause I, I'm a volunteer coach. I'm going to do whatever he tells me to. Yeah. Um, so I ended Plus up you run- get a good workout in too. I exactly. mean, you're probably like thrilled about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm glad you said that. Cause you're right. I was like, really it was helping me and be in good shape and on you know on the off season I'm trying to qualify for Boston and do all those things which we'll I'm sure we'll talk about but I um basically ran with her the the great end of the story she did make it to nationals obviously had nothing to do with me it was all her right that's how I kind of got associated with I run with the women so then Mm -hmm. the next year we get to camp and you know Maria who I know you know is on the team and I think the rest of the women is like now it's our turn because Marlena graduated now he's gonna run with us you know, so it just kind of naturally, right. and then here comes Becca, which we'll end up talking about, I'm sure at some point. And that's when that all kind of took place too. So I think that's really how I ended up being on the women's. Yeah. I always what? wondered that. Cause I'm like, why is it a male women's coach? Like me must have experience with women, right. but no, that totally makes sense. And it just kind of happened in high school. You know, I coached both genders. Cause at the same time I'm coaching college cross country, I was coaching high school track. So I didn't coach at the university for the first couple of years. I'm right. um, really not until Becca came along. 
Um, so yeah, that's how I ended up back there. It was really just kind of a fluke last minute. Let's do it. But I learned a ton from him. And then he eventually two years later re- retired and I took over for him. And actually what happened was Kevin Severson, who, you know, mm-hmm. he got the job for both genders, but he hired oh. me as his head coach for women. Cause he knew, oh, wow. been, cause he knew I'd been doing it. He, um, we have very different styles and I'm not saying that some people should coach men and some people should coach women, but it was a little bit for whatever reason, more in my wheelhouse and less than his. And I think he realized that. And he asked me to come on and to do that. And the only stipulation I had is I will do that, but I'm writing the training. It's not going to be, I'll be the women's coach. You write the training. I just put them through the workouts. I will be in charge. of Right. You'd be the head coach. Yeah. And he agreed to that. And we had a, you know, good relationship for what, six, seven years. Yeah. I thought it was awesome when you guys like worked together. I thought it was really good that different men's coach. Cause it was, it was very different. And I like, I liked you as a coach. (laughs) I mean, not that there is a, I mean, there is a little bit of a difference when it comes to, you know, gender in sports. I I tend to, to really focus on the positive. You know, negative yeah. things happen and you have to deal with them, but you can always find the positive. And that's kind of the way I went. When I coach, and I can say this with complete honesty and sincerity, that I have never told, yourself included, anyone I've ever coached something that I thought they could do that I didn't believe in my heart was true. Like, I would not say, oh, I'm sure you can run that time, Victoria. And inside, I'm like, right i'm never have done that i've always yeah you ask me a question i answer it and i I did in kind of a different way where kevin would be a little bit more and he might listen to this you never know you know (laughs) no i totally i totally know what you're saying he's a little bit more direct he's a little bit more yeah yeah he has a different personality for sure like Um, you didn't do well at this meet you're going to get the pizzas I mean, that kind of, that right. Kind of right. And some people more. love that in a coach. Right. I mean, I know Jason loved it. Right. And a lot of, if, if that respond. would have been how I got treated, I don't know that I would, right. but that's a whole nother topic. I think it is. People respond differently to different coaches is kind totally. of totally. Yeah. And so. I think one of the coolest things that you did for the program when you were there was it seemed that you would bring on people on the team that didn't really have any running background and you like <laughs> built them into like these amazing athletes. And I'm not sure if Becca had a running background because she ended up winning nationals, but yep. from what I have been told, she, she wasn't a runner before. How nope. did she get on the team? Yeah. So she kind of has a similar story to um, Megan that you talked to in one of your podcasts. Okay. Soccer. Yeah. To a degree. So what ended up happening? So this is after the first year, you know, we had Marlene and she's like gone the second year. So when you're a division three coach, here's, you don't have any scholarships. You're not given any athletic or academic scholarships. So people that are coming to your program, you either have the major that they want. They want to go to a smaller school. They meet you and the team and they like the team. You know, you get some of those, so you, re- you recruit pretty hard, but to get very few people usually, because it's just kind of, kind of has to work out, but yep. you also have to hold people to show up. I just showed up. You just showed up. Becca yep. just showed up and uh, basically coach Glover, I think she sent an email to coach Glover and he said, yeah, you know, we'd love to have you, whatever. And he, I think they both happened to live in white bear Lake. So I think he met her. And so she, and he had no idea, you know, what kind of runner she was. She had no idea. She ran a little tiny bit in high school. She, we learned later. She goes, yeah, a couple times when I was on the soccer team, they asked me to just run like regionals and states. So I did that. Uh, and that was it. <laughs> but just one year. But, right. But like she didn't understand like how, how fast she was. Right. How talented. Yeah. So basically we get to camp. So it's my second year now going to this camp. So now I know people. I know, you know, 
I've been in around the team. So we get there and actually your, your husband's involved in the story. So you can kind of, as a coach, when you do it for a long time, especially you can just kind of tell when somebody has something like, oh, just yeah. a little. Yep. <laughs> and we're at camp and coach Glover's camps were way different than my camps. So when I would have camp, I was all about, you know, slow build. We're building up to the end of the season. His first working week of camp was the hardest week of the year. It was oh. like nuts. We'd go on a super long run. We'd do these crazy couple of runs. And one of them was, um, so basically the first one is called the fire tower. And you're was running. this like one K repeats or something um, no, like on a hill? Yeah, you're close. So that's <laughs> the second one I'm going to tell you about. Okay, so the first yeah. one, and this is our first clue. So you run two miles to the, these steps and it goes up to this fire tower. There's like 500 steps. Have you ever been to it? Two miles of steps? No, two miles to get to the steps. Oh, oh my gosh. I'm glad no, you asked. I, <laughs> yeah. I have never, I've never done this. But no, would, but yeah, I, I've would, heard horror stories. We would tempo there. So tempo two miles to these steps. And then there's like 500 steps. <gasps> and But they're little and they're not all even. And oh, at this no. time, just to give you a little perspective from me, like I was in really good marathon shape at the time. And they're, right. they're talking about there's only like three guys have ever made it to the top without stop and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I'm going to show them at the time I'm in my thirties. I'm like, watch what this guy's going to do. Cause mm. I'm feeling like suddenly I made it like a quarter of the way up. Oh it's my God. Really hard. Um, well, I yeah. I mean, steps are no joke. Right. And they're not even steps and it was like curvy and it was tough and it was steep. Well, Becca made it all the way to the top. No, she did not. She did, did she so, really? So that's kind of your first, you know, you don't, you're still not thinking, oh, this person's going to be a national champion or anything like that. But you're thinking <laughs> like, wow, that's pretty good. Yeah. We went on a long run and it was like 10 miles or so. And I was running with Maria because I'm still an assistant. So I'm still kind of doing what he tells me to, to run with them. And here's Becca. We're running like, I don't know, seven ten, seven twenty pace for like 10 miles. And she's just laughing and having fun. And I'm like, hmm. So I'm kind of thinking, hmm. And then <laughs> finally the one you were talking about, it's called Chimney Rock. It's like, a again, this camp was like ridiculous. So you do this loop that's like, it, I think it takes like seven or eight minutes to do the loop. But a lot of it's climbing. And it's not just like running up a road. It's like you actually have to stop and like climb rock. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was, and I'm sure Jason's talked about it. And um, so we do this. And he said, like, the men can do this many laps, the women this, blah, blah, blah. Well, she does the same amount of laps as the men and is pretty much yep. running with them. And I just, re I remember this like it was yesterday. I knew you were going to ask me this question. And it's been going through my head. And you know how excited Jason gets about running and how he, he has that excited looking it looked to his face like, did you see that? It's, Are you he, joking? Oh, so I'm, I'm, I remember it vividly. So there's, kind of, you stop at like this lake, right? So you're done. And my legs are literally shaking because it was really hard. I only did like half of it. Oh yeah. And Jason comes running for me. He's like, dude, Skelly, did you see that? Did you see her? Did you, I think she's going to be really good. And he's like, just going crazy. And I'm like, yeah, man, she looks like, but you still, <laughs> you have no idea like how she's going to race or. Right. Cause you, you only see her for a few days and then you see her like crushing all these workouts. You're like, mm, you're kind of almost skeptical. Cause that yeah. sort of thing doesn't just happen. They right. don't just, you know, come out of nowhere, but she really, she kind of almost did. Right. You're, and you're exactly right. And it's not like she, we put her in a meet and all of a sudden she was winning or something. She basically went in and she did really well her first year. And by the end, she was just getting better and better. And she took fifth in the conference. And our conference is one of the best in the nation, D3. Then she ended up making it to nationals. And this is actually a really good story, a good learning story for everybody who's listening. So I remember we got to the, the national meet. And at the time, she's still raw. Like, she's just figuring it out. She doesn't really know how to race. She's just going and running. I remember her telling me one time, because I, I asked her about it. And she goes, yeah, it hurts so bad. Like, even a minute in, I just want to quit. But then I tell myself, wow, it's only like 15 minutes. I can do it. 
And that was kind of her whole mentality. And that's what I think sometimes separates those people that are a little bit mentally more tough. Well, we get to the meet and the whole year she'd been right behind this runner from lacrosse. Her name's Kristen Painter. And she'd been right with her. So coach Glover told her at the, you know, national meet, just follow her, just follow her. Cause she's been here before that girl. I think that person was a senior. Just right. follow her. So the first mile come, they come by and it was really not a great day. It was a little wet. It was kind of nuts. They come by and Becca, there's, there's this Kristen Painter. There's Becca right behind her. See her the second mile. We see Becca. We don't see this other person. Uh-oh. Becca ends up taking 19th. That person ends up taking like 70th. Really? And what Becca did and what she showed the instincts right away. She's like, you know, I don't think she was feeling very good. So I just went. And the, I've used that lesson over and over again, because sometimes in races, it is nice to run with other people or to use other people to, to help you, but you never know how they're feeling. So ultimately you have to run your own race. That's kind of the lesson I, um, especially with her, but obviously 19th in the nation's your first year ever running pretty amazing. Wow. That's insane. Yeah. I can't imagine. Yeah. So then just fast forward quick to the, her second season that coach Glover retired. So I take over. So I've not, you know, been a head coach for cross country. And here I have this person. Now there's some ex- expectations and, you know, and I've always been a team person. So I'm not just worrying about her. You know, I'm worrying about everybody who's on the team and I'm making sure that everybody's improving and doing that whole thing. But obviously you have to pay a little bit of attention because right. something special is kind of going. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but at that time she still hadn't really broken out other than taking, you know, 19th in the nation, which was obviously pretty good. So the very first meet of the year, I think she either won or took second, but the person she took second to was like a national champ wow. from Bethel, Marie Borner. I don't know if you know who that is, but no. super fast. And super fast miler as well. So then fast forward, we get to, to Griac, which you've ran at, mm-hmm. right? You ran, and it's one of yeah, the biggest. Super hilly. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. It was one of the biggest meets in the country. There's like, I don't know, 700 women probably in the, our race, something wow. like that. Yeah. And, um, so I remember, so she was kind of getting there. She had not won a race yet. And we're, we're, we're talking right before and she was talking about, you know, like really, I, I, I think I want to try to win. And I just said, Whoa. and I just said, well, why not you? And she looked at me and I'll never forget it. Why not me? Like, like a light went off and she not only won, she set the course record. And what? yeah, but, but like the course record for, for, for oh my gosh. And so she ran, like her 6k was like 21 minutes or I don't really see her finish. Cause I'm out on the course. Like I knew she won and I knew she was way ahead when I last saw her. But in that race, we had her win. And we also had people that were like me when I ran. And only had a couple people behind them. So she ran in like 21 minutes. We had people running in like 35 minutes. So I'm out wow. on the course. I don't get to see her right away. But I'm running, running in. And the reason I tell this story is because I got this is the best co- piece of coaching advice I've ever gotten. I was running up there. And Rick Cleary, the person who I had done my internship with when I was in college, stopped me before I got up there and just put his hands on my shoulder, looked me in the face. And he said, I just want to give you this advice. And you can take it or leave it. But I hope that you take it. He said, whatever you're doing, just keep doing it. Don't, <laughs> don't change anything. Right. And we had a discussion later on. He had a lot of really good high school athletes that he feels like and admits that he did. He got carried away and like added miles and, oh, I got to give him a special oh. workout because they're so special and I got to do this. And if I don't, 
you know, and he, and he burned them Like, up he overtrained he them. Yeah, yeah, and he admits that. Well, and that's the thing is, as a coach, like, it's kind of a learning curve. I'm sure mm-hmm. some of the first people that I worked with, it's like, I probably wouldn't coach them, you know, as aggressively or, you know, right. like, looking back. But, yeah, that's so interesting. I do think this is a really good point because I think some people come into the sport and they think they have to do all this extra work to get faster or – you know, they think it's all about the work, but not always because recovery no. is important too. So is. how was your philosophy like when you were coaching her? Right. So that is, I did exactly what he had said. I just kept doing what I was doing with everybody else. Like how I trained you is how I trained her. Um, uh, her volume was a little bit different just because she could handle it. Right. Um, but you kind of learn from that. But And you learn as you coach. And obviously I was pretty raw then still. But like as you do it more and more, especially when you're doing it in person, you kind of get a feel for, you know what, I should back this person off or I should do this. And, and kind of my philosophy has always been this, that one training plan is not going to work for everybody. And so I would work really hard to figure out what's going to work for you, what's going to work for this person. And I don't know if I did this when you were there or not, but there'd be times like during the track season, I'd have like three different workouts going on for the same event. Yes. Because, yeah, I do remember that. Right. Because it's, it's not fair for me to think, well, this works for Victoria. Well, it'll work for Betsy or whoever else. I right. mean, it might, but it might not. So I think my philosophy has always been, how do I figure out what's going to work for this person? It's a little trickier online, but I still think you do it. And it's, it's through communication and looking at their logs and, and seeing kind of how they're progressing and being able to not be afraid to say, hey, listen, I think you need to you know, right. maybe take a break or, or do whatever. Or it's it's so hard to do that because it's like they see it. And then if they see you kind of like at a rest day or cut back a little bit, they they question, oh, why are you doing this? You know, but it's like sometimes it's in your best interest if we make these adjustments because we're getting the feedback from you. We're kind of seeing how things are playing out. And it's always a good thing, I think. I I totally agree. And and really, we shouldn't do it any other way. And and that's why I kind of do it in little chunks. And I'll usually tell the person, I'll like at least write them a note. Hey, you know, it just if you told me yourself, you feel tired. So we don't want to just keep pounding it. Um, I'd rather have someone get to the, get to the starting line a slightly bit undertrained and healthy than feeling like they have to do every workout and they're pounding and they're kind of dragging themselves to the start line. If that makes sense. No, it totally makes sense. I remember when I was on the team with you, my junior year, um, my first time ever, I mean, you were like the first coach that I ever had. Obviously I have a similar story to you. Like I didn't know what I was doing. Then I emailed you. I was like, Hey, I like to run. Can I be on your team? And you're like, "Mm, sure. Like, Like, come come see if like you can do a time trial or you can practice with the team. And I'm like, all right. Um, but I, I do remember you were very like positive, but one thing that I also remember is even like as I was getting faster and like more into the sport, it, you would kind of like almost hold us back just, yep. a, just a little bit, just enough. And it would almost drive me crazy because it's like I knew I could do more. I knew I could do more. But the thing about it is every race was a PR and I never got injured. So if I look right. back, I'm like, there's a reason why. He wasn't pushing me to the breaking point because if you do go past that point, I mean, things do start breaking. Right. And I, one thing I'm very proud of, and I'm, I'm glad you said that is that, so I coached, you know, hundreds of people like over, over the years, I've only had maybe a couple, two stress fractures. I mean, when you overtraining, a lot of times you see, you know, I've seen coaches that have, I know a high, local high school coach who has a ton of them because they do so much mileage at the high school. So I was, I'm always, when we talk about strength training, this will be the same. 
err on the side of caution, stay healthy. Because if you can stay consistent and run consistently, good things are going to happen. So I was always would err on that side of, and I still do, of being a little bit careful. Maybe, oh, yeah. Maybe sometimes you get a little too careful. But as you know, even with paces, with tempo runs or whatever, I would be there and have it marked out, making sure people were running what they were supposed to because so many people had a tough time controlling themselves and would run too fast for a workout when you're trying to get a certain benefit or when we do the long runs. Right. Or so, like if your friend is a little bit faster and you want right. to be as fast as them, you feel like, Oh, I got to do it just a little bit faster to see that pace, you know, but right. yeah, there's really no point in doing that. I mean, there's no added benefit from running faster than the paces you're supposed to be running. You're not going to get faster any quicker, you know? Right. And when you talk about that, let's say you do keep up with your friend during the practice chances are that friend or teammate is doing what they're supposed to you're running a little extra hard it comes to meet day that person's not tired you're a little bit tired yeah you're trying to keep up with them all week you don't run as well and you know how the mental aspect and then you get all frustrated right practice so why can't i run because you shouldn't be yeah and that's why i always did a lot of groups so people were at least together and had, you know, people with similar times or whatever, sometimes they'd move up groups. It could be a little dangerous because people would be like, well, I want to be in that group. Um, but that's the way, you know, where they needed to be. Yeah. So I always kind of stuck to that. And I had some, I'll, I'll give you a coaching um, secret of mine that I'm probably going to get about 30 texts from telling you this. <laughs> but I, I used to have people that really would struggle to hit paces. Like they'd always go too fast. Like no matter what. Oh yeah. Yep. I have and, that tendency, but I, I don't right. think I was like really bad about it, but I know what you're saying. Yeah. Right. And I feel like you, you were, you were pretty good, but there were some people that were really bad. So here's, oh, what, yeah. I, here's what I would do. <laughs> I would write down their paces and write it a little bit slower than I actually wanted them to go. Then they would go too fast. But All actually right. be doing the pace I wanted them to. So they'd come through and go, Oh, it was Kelly. I'm sorry. I was a little fast. I'm like, Oh, you know, just try to slow it down. And inside I'm like, that's exactly what I wanted to do wrong. <laughs> and that may sound kind of sneaky and that's probably about as sneaky as I get, but I had to because right. people just, you just it. know an athlete's tendencies and you just right. have to roll with it. Yeah. And I, I was totally like that understand. myself. I did it when I first started, like I want, there's a guy on the team and it, this is not a good healthy way to approach, but I really wanted to beat him. Yep. And I was never gonna, he was around like a 27 <laughs> minute something and I was never going to, but I really, for whatever reason, let that drive me a little bit and it shouldn't. But I did, so I'm guilty of it myself. So I kind of know from learning. And a lot of what you learn as a coach is trial and error with yourself and with athletes. Yeah. And, you know, you have some really good moments. You have some things like, oops, you know, I don't think I'd do that again. And, and I would honestly say all the years I coached, you know, I was at the college for, what, 10 years. I never had no season training was the same as the year before. Similarities. There's obviously things I believe in. But I was always trying to find different ways to get People either motivated or to run those times. And a, and a lot of coaching, as you know, is it's, it's yes, it's writing the plan, but it's getting people to believe that they can do things they didn't think they could. Yes. There's such a mental aspect to training. I totally agree. Yep. And you do know you... what I say, and you've probably heard me say it before, and I don't know, I don't think I made it up, but it, running's 80% mental and the other 20% is mental. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh no yeah I mean there's some truth to it yeah it's a big component of it, and it's a lot of how I spent my time as a college coach and even now is just getting people to you know one realize you know why they're doing the training I know Megan talked about in her podcast that she really likes to teach people and I like to do that too as long as some people don't want that they just want you know hey tell me what to do 
I don't care why I'm doing it. Just tell me what to do. And some people really want to learn about it. And I'm happy to do that too. Right. I was the annoying kid that would ask, why are we doing this? Why are we? Right. (laughs) Should have been like a processor. Like, oh, she's going to be a coach someday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I know. And and that's good. And that's how you learn. That's how I learned. It's And that's how we both took that path is you want to know how do I get better? And then you eventually can translate that into helping other people get better. Right. And, um, and I remember you make me think of something. So one thing I used to say, and, and I'm sure you get asked this by athletes, there's a lot of little things we ask them to do, whether it's strides or strength training or, you know, a temper run or just all these different things. I remember I used to get asked, like you said, at, at practice, like, why are we doing all, you know, why are we doing this? And the way I used to answer that was this way. You don't know what that one little thing is that's going to make you a better runner. So you should approach everything you do like it is that one thing because you don't know what it is. Now, that worked, although some people would take that too far. I would take something out of a practice and like Becca would be like, but you, what if that's the one thing? Oh, no. Yeah. You know? And literally then, take yep. it too far. So The doubt starts to creep in. Right. What do you do when athletes, like they either don't believe in themselves or they just have like a bad season? Because I know that you had athletes where it'd be right. like a bad season. Like how do you bounce back from like a year of just like, crappy performances because it it right. I mean it happens it's a reality it doesn't it happens it happened to me personally it's happened to me with athletes i've coached yep and, I, and again for me it's taking a look at like, doing a couple things focusing on obviously some positive things had to have happened so you really want to talk about those things and then maybe start thinking and looking at why do we think things didn't go as well as maybe the year before or maybe as well as we think they could have and start looking at the training was there something there um, maybe it's just, they need a little break. I mean, it can be so many things, but I think what you need to do, at least when this is what I do is just communicate with them openly and honestly, and, and trying to figure it out and admitting that, Hey, you know, this didn't go as well as we thought, but we're going to fix it and we're going to do something. And just saying anything, you know, that you can to help them realize that it can change and it can, I mean, people have ups and downs and we just figure out how are we going to take this down and get back to the up. Right. And I sense. I think even like, even just a part of training sometimes, like once you reach a certain level, it, I mean, it is kind of like there might be like valleys where you're just going through a period where you're kind of at the same level and it just takes that extra yep. work and just consistency to like get to that next, you know, peak or whatever. Yeah, you're exactly right. And Ben said it really well in, in your first podcast that, you know, maybe you just need to look at nutrition or strength or what part is maybe kind of missing to kind of get you back over the hump. And a lot of people get stuck there. Like when I was trying to qualify for Boston, I was just like stuck at 314. And I finally had to figure out something to get me over that hump. Right. Um, it's the same kind of a thing. So you do this same thing with any athlete is what, what training is going to help them. And it's not an overnight fix. I mean, a lot of times it takes time to figure that out. No. Yeah. It t- could take like a whole, you know, year, a whole season yeah, exactly. to figure that out. Yeah. And you have to want to, and you have to be able to, I had my coach that I had when I was in cross country, I had a really good saying. And uh, that was as far as like training goes, she goes, the plan will work if you work the plan. Right. So basically you really need some good direction. You need a well-written program, but then you also need to follow it. And then you also need to believe that, okay, I need to make some changes. And because if you just do the same thing, like you've heard this before doing the same thing over and over again and expect expecting it, different results, it's insanity. It's insanity. Yeah. It's the definition of insanity. It. And it's funny because sometimes people will see a plan and they'll be like, well, I, I like most of it. So, and, but then they'll kind of like, 
they'll do little tweaks here and there and they think oh no biggie because I'm just but as you get faster and more into the sport those little things that you're doing here and there are the things that are like preventing you from getting faster so like going you know 10 15 20 seconds per mile too fast on your easy runs or your long runs or adding in a mile here and there when you don't need it like those little things that you think eh, no biggie right uh, over time they do become a biggie <laughs> yeah and that's super super well said and i and i have people even now that i'm coaching and i'm not talking about anyone specifically right um <laughs> that, that, that will kind of do that and be like oh you know and, and it happened a lot in college i'll use college as a better reference oh yeah. oh Skelly, I, you know i ran um did you run with kaylee Nelson oh no but I do remember one time she accidentally went on like an 18 mile run exact words were (laughs) just about to come out of my mouth it was supposed to be like 10 it was the week before like regionals yep I remember that and she ran Mm -hmm. like 18 but bless her she's like the sweetest person I think she felt so guilty she went out and PR'd like crushed it the next week but she like went the wrong way and ran 18 miles instead of now she was not doing it intentionally right but I would have some runners that would like like you said, go a little fast. No, I can speak to this because it used to drive me insane because you would put us in pace groups, right? And like I was kind of on the slower end. So there would be like right. two other people, three other people I was supposed to run with. And then they'd like leave me. They would just right. like go and run super fast. And I'm like, you guys. And then they could never finish the whole long run because it's like they went too fast and yep. they were tempoing and then. I was running alone the entire time. That's why I would be like, Skelly, do I have to come to practice? Because no one's going to run nine-minute pace with me. <laughs> right. And it's like – and those people would pay the price. I mean, they – They did. And that's the sad part is they did. I don't want to say that because, like, I wish they would have slowed down. But, like, right. when it came to the meets, like, they were either unable to run because they were injured – or I, I don't want to be like, oh, I beat them. But, I mean, I did because I was going, right. you know, slow on the days we were supposed to where they were trying to run with their friends who were faster – Right. And it's, and I, that was a battle I fought this. It was constant. Um, and it still is. And it, you know, and and I was guilty of it. I, it took me a long time to really realize here, here's how I really learned to to slow down. And I like how Ben kind of always, he really hammers at home. Mm -hmm. Um, but here's, here's a a good story that what happened for me. So I started getting into marathons. I'd ran like right around a 315 a few times and a group of buddies, who had ran all around like 240, 245, so quite a bit faster. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and they invite, yeah, they invited me to go on a long run. It was like a 10, 12-mile run, and I'm like thinking inside, I can't run with these guys. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, just, you know, we're going to go nice and easy. You, you should join us. So I'm like, and one of them was Rick, the, the person who was the guy I coached with. So I'm like, this is funny. So the whole week, like leading up to it, I'm like carbo. You're nervous, yeah. I'm like carbo <laughs> and I'm resting. I'm, it's like I'm getting ready for a I'm like, I, I'm not going to be able to run with these guys. I'm like nervous. Right. So we start running and we go to the trails and traffic and we start running and we're like a mile or so in it. I'm thinking, well, these guys are kind of being jerks. They're going slow because of me. And I'm like, why are you guys going? They were going way slower than I normally do in the easy run. Right. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? They're like, what are you talking about? said why are we running in this pace it goes because it's a long run we're just getting time on our feet it's just getting the miles in that's wow. what you should be doing and i'm like what and so you're like over a minute per mile slower in the marathon and right. they were running slower than what you were yes used they to. were running like nine minute pace maybe. oh like, my gosh and like ben would talk about they'd maybe pick it up at the end but for the most part that's what they would run yeah like and eight minute pace or nine when their marathon pace is like six Right. And That's this is crazy. Really, yeah, this is really when it, right before I started coaching, I was kind of doing the marathon thing and in mm-hmm. between. So I, that was a really good lesson to me is like, and here's what happened. I would do that long run with them. Then the rest of the week, my workouts went so much better because <laughs> I wasn't tired. 
Like I would get done, I got done with that 10, 12 mile run. And obviously it's a 10, 12 mile run. But at the time, that's something I was doing quite often. It felt like I hadn't done anything because we ran it so differently. So slow, yeah. Right. And everything else came from that. Like later in the week, I'm doing a tempo or doing whatever. It's just going that much smoother and that much better because I did the right paces at that right time. So that's really where it clicked for me and probably why I became such a, I don't an advocate for freak, it but like uh, yeah no it's important need to be at this pace this needs to be at this pace and I was really when I coached I really honed in on that and really tried to make sure people did that, that I was, know it's a really dude. it's such a tough point to hammer home and I think honestly you never until you like experience what you experience people have a hard time believing it and I think right. it takes a lot to just like trust in oh well he's telling me to go slow but what I hear people all the time say oh, well, that feels like a walk to me or like that feels like a walking pace or if I slow down that slow, my stride changes and I'm like, yep. I mean, that's, <laughs> it, yep. it does kind of feel like you're walking when you're going at right. an easy pace. I mean, and it should and it it's is conversational. It, it can be a little awkward if you're not used to it. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's a tough one to learn and I think some people slow down, but they don't, they don't slow down enough. Right. And they think, and you've heard it before a million times, like no pain, no gain. If, if I'm not working hard, how am I going to get faster? It's like, right. I, I posted the other day on Instagram and I believe this. If you ask me what's the most important workouts you do, it's your rest days and your recovery days. Um, Cause if you don't do those right, I mean, you could argue the other things obviously make you faster, tempo runs, intervals and all those things, but how do you set yourself up for those and how you reap the benefits from those is taking those breaks your body needs time to adapt so if you do that hard workout and the next day go on an easy run that's not easy your body's not getting that time to adapt and adjust and do what you want it to do which is learn how to be more efficient and faster right yep it's all good points yeah so i don't know what else if you want to talk a little yeah running or not or i think maybe moving in to um i know you've coached some of like the Boston qualifiers after you were done with cross country and track coaching and you focused more on your personal training career, you had some of your athletes come back to you and ask, Hey, can you write me a plan for my marathon that I'm doing? Which is really cool because you've seen them through all of college cross country and then they write, you write them a training plan for their marathon. And that's kind of how you got into the online coaching realm. I think you were connecting with them through the internet and doing the whole texting back and forth, email back and forth, writing those training plans. Um, And you did that probably for 10 years before you kind of launched on your own and then became a part of run for PRs as a run coach, which is really cool because not a lot of people have that experience, which I love that you have. So tell me a little bit about your philosophy on how to get people to qualify for Boston. Cause I know not just people who ran in college, cause you've written plans for so many different people who right. are beginners and everything. What's like your be- go to like Boston qualifying advice or how to frame up. Right. How do you do that? The program. Yeah. So I'll try to be quick about this, but it's going to be a little bit of a, of a personal story because my very first marathon that I ran, I just ran with a bunch of people just for, just to do it. And um, I just wanted to finish or whatever. And I actually ran with people that, you know, were at a different pace than I was. And I ran like, we ran like a 405, but I think I negative slipped for like 10 minutes. Cause I ran with them for like 15 miles and then went. So then the, the next time I did a marathon, I decided, okay, I'm going to go for time. And this was shortly after college. And one thing I should say about myself too, and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there. I'm very much a comfort zone runner. Um, what happened is I just trained really hard. My comfort zone got faster. So a lot of times I would do 
a half marathon at the pace I was doing my 8Ks in in college because I could hold it. I just didn't like to like push myself. Right. Oh, so you're not someone who loves the speed. You you no. just kind of like that cruise pace. Okay. But if I, but I could get into it and I could hold it for a long time. I just any bit of pain, I just that wasn't for me. That's so funny because I'm like the opposite. <laughs> yeah, I don't like shorter races. Whatever, forget it. I don't like. Yeah, that it's clean. a different type of pain, isn't it? It's weird. Right, but I worked really hard and I did a lot of different things. So ended up what happened was my second marathon. I ran a three fifteen, and at wow. the time, yeah, at the, at the time. Yeah. So at the and I, and part of it was that first one, I really did run with people, you know, just kind of just did it. But so I ran a three fifteen. but I'm thinking, wow, 15 minutes, drive, this is easy. You know, I only mm. had to cut like four minutes <laughs> from Boston. Yeah. At, at that time, if you ran a three ten, you were in, it was none of this. You got to run a little bit faster or whatever. If you ran a three ten fifty nine, you were in. Yep. So my next one, I ran like three fourteen. 312, 313. I'm like just missing it, right? Right. And finally, what I decided is like, what would happen is I had a lot of cramps at the end, and I would always, I just decided in my head, I was writing my own training. I'm like, I got to figure out something that makes marathon pace just feel easy for, you know, most of the race, which obviously is hard to do. So what I ended up developing, and I won't give away all my little secrets. But, yeah, you can't give it all away. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is what I use with people now if they're ready for, for that type of a race, is I would do, I kind of, you know, during the week, obviously, you're doing the mileage and you're doing workouts, but really uh, how I focused on the long runs. And what I, what I typically do is like one, one week is just your normal, like I told you, running with those guys, go out, slow, yeah, slow, slow. do it. The next week I would do the same thing, but add some marathon pace, but I would not get carried away with it because I had some friends who would like, at one point I did like, I think before marathon, I did like an 18 mile marathon pace run. Oh my. And it was way too much. you know. Right. I, and that's why you probably ended up running, you know, a little bit slower. You left your race in the, in the run, right? Exactly. They say. Yep. I've been so there. I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I would do a little bit of marathon pace. And then the third week, which is what I think is my secret weapon is I had a way where I would do these, I do a long run, but I do some mile repeats in there too, about 20 to 30 seconds faster than marathon pace. Huh. And that I feel like put me over the edge. So I finally, I ran and it's, it's actually kind of a great story and kind of like something that's still, cause I was very driven to, to qualify as a lot of people are. And I ran, I ran like a, I was on pace to run like a three Oh five and I cramped, no. I cramped the last two miles. And I ran like a 311.40 or whatever it was. And so I'm disappointed. I think I was 34 at the time. I'm thinking, man, I missed it by like 45 seconds. And I, but I got a call from my brother and he's like, dude, congrats on making Boston. <laughs> I'm going to be honest and say, thanks, Dink. I didn't make it. And he's like, hey, Dink, take a look at the rules. You're going to be 35 when you run it. You need a 315. Oh, and so I yeah. qualified. And um, so, but in a, in a way, like I was still obviously overjoyed to make it, but in my heart of hearts, you didn't even uh, know it. Like when you were right, crossing I wanted that the line, ten. right, you know, I wanted right. That but really my point to answer your question was I came up with that sequence and that's really what I use for people. And I'll, I'll use an example of a, a run for PRs athlete, um, but in, especially people that are kind of just like me that are just really close, but can't quite get over the hump. Um, I feel like it's a really good way to do it. And I use it with Jay Long. I think you know who that is. Oh, and, yeah, um, yeah. And he, would, he had ran like a 310 right around there. And he wanted to get under that to safely make it um, into Boston. And we did that same cycle. And he ended up – and He, he, he I, crushed he, it. Yeah. Oh, he, my gosh. Didn't he run like 306? Yeah, 305, <gasps> 40-something. And, and I think he even said he felt like he had a little bit more in him. He just got a little crampy at the end. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's just a, 
fast because his right. like five mile race that he was doing was only I don't know right. what 20 seconds per mile faster than that I yep. mean yeah he crushed it your plans are mm-hmm. really good because I've seen so many people like crush it under your training just because the River Falls community I know who right. you coach and I'm like oh my gosh these people and you've even coached like a 226 marathon yeah. or Jared Jared Brandenburg yeah, yeah I mean so that's another actually I don't mean to tell you a 500 story but <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's a good story of less is more. Cause he, he, he was a, a an absolute, you know, stud runner in college. He was an all American. Totally. So I think his mile was like four twelve. Yeah. So we're talking about like a special person. So he ran, special and I didn't, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> no, I, I know yeah. he's, he's really fast. Yeah. yeah. If he hears that, he's going to love that. <laughs> and then I, and I coached his wife too, which Tanya as yep. well, but, um, he had, after college, he had written his own plan for the first marathon he ran. He ran like a, a 237. Oh, I didn't know fun. that. Yeah. Okay. So then he came to me and said, hey, would you, you know, write this program for me? And I said, I would. And I, I'll be honest, you know, even as a coach who's coached for a long time and I've coached some elite people, my first thought was, I can't coach somebody who's that fast. Right. He's like so fast. Right. But, <laughs> but then I'm thinking, you know what? Yes, you can. It's the same thing. Same it's thing, yeah. do it different. So I looked at his training and he was running like hundred miles a week, <gasps> doing like three oh, workouts. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, dude, you got so much ability. Let's back up. We didn't back up the mileage a ton, but we only did one workout a week. Huh. And then on the weekends, we would do that cycle. I just told you about the long run. Some of them be a workout. Right. Yeah. Some would be re- and if he did it, if, let's say it was a long run repeat week, he didn't do any workouts. That was oh, his only workout. Wow. And then just mileage. And then he ran the 226. And, and he, he like negative he, splits. If you look did, on his yeah. like splits, they're on M Tech still. Sometimes yeah. I like, I just bring them up just because they're so, they're like inspiring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, just oh my some, gosh. Well, when I'm writing these like tempo workouts for him and he's doing them at like, I don't know, 520 pace or whatever. Oh, so I'm wow. just like, this is crazy. Yeah. Because yeah, I'd written workouts for a lot of people and it was just like, but so and he fast. ran it You know, unfortunately has had an injury and he hasn't really ran much since. But uh, he, he, and he even said, you know, because he got up Summit Hill because it was Twin Cities Marathon. He got a little hamstring crampy too. And he said he felt real confident that he would have ran like a 224. Wow. So that's fun. Yeah, he's... Yeah, cruising right. there. But that's and awesome that you have experience even like coaching people who are like that much faster than you, you know? Right. And that's where I think it's a little bit unique because I came from, I'm a very average runner to, you know, coaching these people that are above average and kind of everywhere in between. Well, you're not average. Well, yeah. But no, you're like more, for someone who's like a run coach, people would be like, oh, your your resume is a little bit more average, I guess. Right. Yeah. yeah average <laughs> is the right way to say it. But compared to like, like I saw on your list of questions, I'm like, okay, this question is not for me because there's one that says, "How did, how did you, get you get so, so fast? fast?" I'm like, that's not for me. Um, uh... And I did manage to run some okay times, but I ended up, I still kind of after I ran Boston, I was still kind of driven for a while that I wanted to break that 310. Right. Um, but didn't you have like a heart a surgery and stuff yeah. that happened and that kind of yeah, that's that's crazy. I don't... Right. So that was in, and it actually started happening. Um, what happened is I had atrial fibrillation, but my last year of college cross country, um, after the last meet, we had like a get together, you know, a little mm-hmm. party afterwards. And someone thought it would be funny to put Everclear in my beer. <gasps> and I drank this thing and I'm a lightweight as it is. And the next day my heart was doing something really weird. I'm like, I was, oh my at, gosh. I was at the mall of America with, um, whoever I was dating at the time. And I'm like, I, something doesn't feel right. Cause my resting heart rate's usually like 40, right. you know, like 90. <gasps> 
and just walking around. I'm like, something's not right. So she ended up taking me to the hospital and I was in atrial fibrillation. It just went away. And that's an electrical for people that don't know what that is. It's not a, like a structural problem. It's an electrical problem. And basically it just gets confused on like the heart, the beat gets confused on where to go, the electrical impulse. So, but it went away on its own and it never resurfaced for about eight years. All of a sudden I got it again. And that time it didn't go away. I ended up having to go in and have a procedure where they actually put you to sleep quick. And just like you think the paddle's like clear, they shocked my heart back into rhythm. And then it stayed for about two years, maybe. And then it just started happening so much. They couldn't get it to go away. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, and I just ran actually some of the best races of my life. I was like 38 when this happened. And, um, basically they said you can take medication for the rest of your life. And all I was thinking about is how do I run? I want to keep running. And so I don't want to take medication. So this procedure was an option. It was a six hour procedure. It was supposed to be like, Oh, you'll be able to run within two or three weeks. None of that really happened. And ended up being like a lot longer um, process than I thought. And really ever since then, I've never quite felt the same. Like I can't push myself in, in, we talked about me being a comfort zone, but for me pushing as much as I could push, I never felt like I could, could do that. It's almost like having a governor in a truck, which you can only go so fast. That's always how I've kind of felt. So I had to kind of reinvent myself then too, but. Wow. Yeah. That, and that's super tough. Cause I'm sure, you know, like you have all these running goals and then you're, you know, <laughs> but right. you're still running a lot. I mean, right. and you I, still and run I a ton. Now. Right. And then, you know, as you know, I have celiac disease too. And that kind of happened around the same time. Same time. time. Oh, so that man. Was, that's really probably how it manifested itself. So that was an adjustment. So did you um, have the heart problem before the celiac then? Yeah. Do you so think I, that maybe that like was brought on because I, I, of your diet? Because you uh, didn't absolutely. know? Oh, and really? here's the thing. Because so when I get gluten now, obviously for people, it's different. Like I have two brothers with celiac and a, my mom. And everybody reacts differently. Like I get heart palpitations like right away. <gasps> if I eat gluten, it's like my heart. So I think this is, I'm not a doctor, but I think <laughs> that's what was causing my AFib. Wow. Um, it always happened after I ate and it was always certain foods, whatever. And I, I don't have any proof of that, but. Um, right. It's just like your it, gut instinct. Right. And it, but it, it makes sense, especially now that if I get gluten, that's one of the things that happens. I get really lightheaded and I get heart palpitations and. Wow. You know, no one wants to hear about it, you know. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, that, I mean, it's great to hear that, like, I mean, obviously it's not great to hear you have these problems, but it's good (laughs) to hear that you, even though you've gone through all of these new, like, medical things that happened after your peak running years, like, you still stick with it, even though, you know, like, your PR days might be behind you at this point. You're still right. out there like doing marathons. I mean, you did grandma's last year. You did an ultra marathon. Yeah. Um, you're training for a marathon in the spring. So what kind of keeps you motivated at this point? Yeah. And, and that's a super good question. Right? Cause I think early on my motivation was way different. Right. Um, it was, you know, first it was to prove I could be on this cross country team. Then it was, and plus it, part of it was, you know, I lost weight. I got healthier and this is going to sound very vain, but people tell you you look good. There's kind of that portion to it. <laughs> right. You, you're like, oh, I'm starting to feel good. So you want, you like that feeling. So you want to kind of keep doing it because you get in better shape than you were like when I was in high school. Um, but I would say now I'm probably more motiv- motivated by just staying healthy. I mean, I'm almost 49 years old. Um, I, I need to set goals to, to kind of stick with it. So setting goals motivates me. Working with people like I am with you with Run for PRs motivates me. I'm going to, when I run this marathon, I'll be running with Hillary 
that um from from the team and then someone who's on run for prs right so you run with your athletes yeah that's really cool and what will motivate me is i don't want to let them down so (laughs) yeah you you gotta make sure you're in shape (laughs) right so i have to be ready to do it if i'm if i said i'm willing to do that with them so that motivates it's kind of a a funny way to be motivated but it does my this will sound funny but my dog motivates me he, oh yeah he needs to get out and run and i don't want to let him down so when i come home and he's giving me that little look I'm yeah like, right. like when are we gonna run right and I, awesome. I still you know like you said my pr days are probably behind me um so that doesn't drive me as much but i can still have a like a pr for like where i'm at now right like you can Every- still feel like you right can you, do you still get that feeling like you're like yeah that was a really good workout i feel right. like right like, you know yeah. right and I've been, you know, I have some chronic calf issues or whatever. And just recently I was having some problems. And I just, yesterday was probably the first time I've ran three days in a row in a wow. while. And the third day I felt like awesome. That's and so like, cool. Finally, I love that feeling. Right. And I, and people think that like the runner side, that doesn't really exist. I don't Oh no, it's totally. Yeah. Right. And, and I think all these experiences, like having the hard thing, having the silly, it helps me relate to a variety of people because yeah. you coach so many different people. And when you've experienced it yourself, I just think it's so much easier um to to, like you know I've kind of been there I've kind of been in a similar situation so when we're coaching people now I mean you you just use everything you've ever been experienced yeah um to kind of to kind of figure that stuff out yeah I think you have a ton of experience I mean you're probably the most experienced coach at run for PRs and you've helped a lot of people achieve their their goals with the running and everything and I think this was an awesome interview talking about um, just like your running background and like coaching and running. And I think we'll have to do a second one just to talk all <laughs> about. Because I haven't stopped talking. <laughs> no, just to, just to share about the strength training because I know that you're right. also a personal trainer and just yep. like having a whole another segment on that will be awesome. Yeah. So it was up, great up. talking to you about this. Yeah. And everyone has to stay tuned for the part next two. part yeah if they're if they're still awake if they're still, <laughs> right no all awesome right. it's great to talk to you all right i'm 